Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad that you're here. I would like to offer a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. We're very glad that you are here, and if you have questions or comments about this faith or this congregation, please do see the knowledgeable and friendly people at the membership table and visitor table out there in the foyer, and they'll be happy to help you. We come from a long heritage of faith communities that teach that there is a spark of the divine in every human being. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Call to worship. This is by the poet Campbell McGrath, expressing his feelings about the poetry of James Wright. I love so many of those last poems, treasure them like sacral beings, a flowering of such magnitude near the end of a difficult life, as if the pear tree that stood for years unclothed in the rain and snow of Ohio had at the last unbidden blossomed. But we are not trees and it requires an act of will for us to bloom. And it is the courage of that action that I admire, the willingness to recreate your art anew, the strength to persevere, and the gift of change. You have people in your church, people say to me, who have their roots in Christianity and Judaism or Buddhism or humanism, earth-based traditions, Hinduism. How do you all call yourselves Unitarian Universalists and what holds you together? And I answer, well, you know, one of the things that holds this congregation together is the mission that they wrote for themselves. We say it every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. January 1st by Octavio Paz. The year's doors open like those of language toward the unknown. Last night, you told me, tomorrow we shall have to think up signs, sketch a landscape, fabricate a plan on the double page of day and paper. Tomorrow, we shall have to invent once more the reality of this world. This is the time in our service when we breathe together, where we breathe into that space in our heart where we are who we are, where we can find the source of strength and wisdom where we speak to God as we understand God or where we just listen to our inner 
voice. Or where we just breathe and find a stillness. Even though the regular noises of life go on all around us, the stillness is inside and we find it more and more easily as we practice. It is by spending time in this space that we become sturdier, clearer, more compassionate, less reactive and resentful. All of that counts as spiritual growth. It is as we come stronger that we can be good companions to those who are suffering and to those who are joyful. Let us bring our concerns, our worries, our fears into the silence. We are now invited to light candles of joy or sorrow or remembrance. Let us continue our meditation saying together the Buddhist loving-kindness meditation or the metta meditation. It's our custom to say this three times. The first time through, we say it for ourselves. I'll say a line and you say it after me should you choose to. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time, we say it for someone we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. The third time is a spiritual exercise. We say it for someone against whom we have a resentment. This does not change them. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. Practices like this one are what tune us up as human beings. Most religions have a wisdom story about there being a mirror in the soul by which to reflect the light that shines on us. And our mirror gets dusty and dirty, caked with mud or whatever, and we have a spiritual practice in order to keep the mirror clean so that we can best reflect the light that's shining on us. Your life, I tell you all the time, is a sacred story. Unitarian Universalism honors all scriptures, and we believe that revelation, the revelation of the divine, the revelation of who we are as humans, the revelation of our relationship to the earth, that that is always being revealed to us, that the revelation is not finished, it's continuing. 
And so we don't hold that there are certain lives that are sacred, the lives of saints or the lives of Abraham and Rebecca and Isaac and Mary Magdalene that are sacred, but that your life is as sacred as that. And if your life were written out into a text, it would be just as easy to learn from as the lives of King David and the people in Krishna and the people in other scriptures. And so if we think of our lives that way and we think of ourselves as making choices every day in order to make our lives a more inspiring text rather than a cautionary tale, no one wants to be a cautionary tale, although we are all a little of each. We make these choices, and um, one of the major categories of choices that we make are what should I hold on to and what should I let go of? And um, Marisol talked last week in her sermon about letting go of surplus anxieties and how to recognize whether an anxiety was surplus or not and how um, what kinds of self-care to do to balance out the anxieties and how to let them go. So certainly anxieties would be among the things that we want to let go today. Other things are things you're trying to control that can't be controlled. Old grudges, resentments, things you've been taught that aren't working for you anymore. Maybe things handed down from your family because you are part of who your family or part of you is your family. A lot of you is your family, whether you were adopted or fostered or uh, continued with your biological family. A lot of who you were, how who you are, was fixed by the time you are, were born. <coughs> and so um, part of who you are is also your ancestors and the stories about them. And, you know, when you, when you hear family stories about this is how we found you and made you part of our family, or this is the story of your birth, or here's the story of your grandmother, and Here's the story of our great-grandfather and how he ran from the Cossacks. Or here's the story of our great-great-grandmother and how she was captured by slave traders. Or here's the story of of the three fortunes that we won and lost. Here's the story of the lifestyle we used to have in the family and the one we should have now, but we don't. We all have family stories that help make up who we are. Good to know that your story is part of a long cornucopia of stories that come from the roots of your family. We have the power to make different stories. Every time I do a memorial service, we tell stories of the person who's passed on. So the memorial service is really about them rather than about one particular faith or another. (coughs) Excuse me. And... And I tell people, if, if you do not know that there will be good stories to tell about you at your memorial service, there's still time. People don't think about that. Who's going to be there and what will they say? You don't want to be one of those people that folks stand up here and go, well, she was a difficult person. choices that we make shape that. 
letting go is hard. It's difficult. It's um, energy-consuming. Rabbi Edwin Friedman wrote a wonderful book called Friedman's Fables, and one of the fables is The Bridge, and I'm going to tell it to you right now in a short version. <clears throat> there was a fellow who decided to go on a journey from his village. He was finally ready to go. He had everything together. He knew where he wanted to go. He had the energy to go. And just on the outside of town, he came to this bridge, and there was another guy coming toward him with a rope wrapped around his waist. And our voyager thought, that's strange. I don't know this guy. Why would he be having a rope? And when they came close to each other, the fellow with the rope just took the end of it and offered it to our voyager and said, would you hold on to this for a second, please? Well, you know how you do. You just, you say, sure. And you hold on to it. And the guy said, really, you probably need to hold on with both hands to it. Okay. Then the guy jumps off the bridge. And the rope unwinds, and he's halfway down to this gorge with a sharp rocks and the rushing water. And our voyager is holding with both hands, trying to brace himself. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just hanging here. Don't let me go, or I'm lost. So our voyager tries wrapping it around his hands, and finally he wraps it around his waist. Because his hands are tired. The guy's just swinging down there. He's like, I'm tired and I want you to come back up now. I'll, I will help you. If you help, you climb, I'll pull, okay? The guy said, I'm not ready. Uh, don't let go. <laughs> I'm your responsibility. Our voyager looks for a place to tie the rope off. You know, maybe the guy can just swing there by himself. But there's no place on the bridge to tie it off. Can't find anything. He said, listen, you have to come up now. Nope, not going to do it. Don't let go. That would be really, really selfish. Finally, our voyager just says, listen. You have a choice here, and I have a choice. We both have a choice. I'm going to let go in 10 minutes. The guy's like, no, I'll be lost. But he didn't make any move to come up. So our guy let go. Was he mean? Was he selfish? Was he awful? So many of us are raised to... Take on whatever problem or whatever person jumps in our lap. Someone interrupts your work and says, I have a terrible problem. You go, I'll fix it. Instead of, wow, you have a problem. What are you going to do? It's hard to let go of people. It's hard to let go of relationships. And yet sometimes it's the right thing to do. Not all the time. It's hard to know when. You need a lot of that stillness and wisdom. What do you hold on to and what do you let go of? And so many of us have tried to let go of things and we go, I'm going to let go of that thing. Mm. You make a resolution. Does it happen? Nah, not so much usually. 
Uh, the psychologists will tell you that your brain uh, understands actions and uh, the concrete more than it understands the words. The words are just just the very top layer of the brain pays attention to words. Um, there's a study from MIT that says you have um, overlapping but different brain systems for processing abstract concepts and concrete concepts. I, I think, hmm. There was a Scientific American article, May 2013, about the science behind ritual. Now, the people who make and use rituals say a ritual is a way to make your thought concrete so that you invite the rest of your brain on board with whatever you're wanting to do. So, why not? Is it magic, like the vase? Or does it just help you invite more energy and helpers from your own inner committee? Tell me you have one. Your own inner committee will help you much more than if you just said to yourself, I'm going to do this. Okay, so I'm going to read you a poem. I want you to think about what you'd like to let go. And I'm going to have a fire here in the front. And we will burn our things we want to let go. And that will help our brains know, oh, um, you want all of us in on this to help you. The poem is called Burning the Old Year. Letters swallow themselves in seconds. Notes, friends tied to the doorknob, transparent scarlet paper, sizzle like moth wings, marry the air. So much of any year is flammable. Lists of vegetables, partial poems, orange swirling flame of days. So little is a stone. Where there was something and suddenly isn't, an absence shouts, celebrates, leaves a space. I begin again with the smallest numbers. Quick dance, shuffle of losses and leaves. Only the things I didn't do crackle after the blazing die. My aim in this ritual with you is for you to feel lighter. So my advice would be don't do something like I'm letting go of bread. That's, that's not lightening you. That's taking on another burden. You're welcome to do it if you want. I'm just saying. May the things that you all released into the fire be truly gone from your lives, from your spirits, from your thoughts. May you feel free. May you feel light. May you feel better able to move into the new year. May you feel better able to be a person of compassion, love. May it be so. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, 
or the fire of commitment, these we hold in our hearts until we are together again. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.